Let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. We ask as we go to your word right now that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here, none by chance, all by divine appointment. Lord, I pray you'd meet each one right where we are. Lord, if those are going through difficult times, may you comfort them. Those who need a healing touch, Lord, may you heal them. Lord, who, those who might be in despair, may you encourage them. Lord, those who might be out of work right now, I pray you would provide for them. And Lord, we just come humbly and broken before you. Lord, we, we are nothing without you. Keep us humble, broken, and desperate. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher tonight. We don't want the words of man. We know that's a waste of time. May the word of God go forth with power. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. All right. So 1 Kings chapter 21. And let me give you a little background really quick, and we'll dig into the text. If you'll remember that the book of Kings, this is after King, uh, King David passes away at the very beginning of the book, goes to heaven. King Solomon takes his place because of Solomon's choices. God rips the kingdom from his, from his uh, line and lets him know that he will no longer, his, his uh, family, his line will no longer rule over all of Israel. We saw Israel split in half, the 10 uh, nations to the north is called Israel. The two nations to the south is called Judah. What's crazy about kings is that almost all the kings are evil. Every one of the kings that was a king of Israel is evil and in rebellion and faithless. The kings in Judah, some of them were, were good kings, but most of them were not. In the last few weeks, we finally were introduced to Elijah and we're dealing with the, the most evil king of them all. That's the word of God tells us, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who I say every week broke her name. Nobody wants to be called Jezebel ever again. When your name becomes a swear word, you know you were a bad person. Can I get an amen? And so we saw last week, I told the message if you were here, that he's God in both the hills and the valleys. Isn't that true? Amen? He's God in the good times and in the difficult times. He's always faithful. He's a good and loving and a gracious God. And we need to be reminded of his faithfulness. And as we come to chapter 21, we're going to continue to look at King Ahab. But remember last week, they had killed 127,000 of the Syrians. If you remember the grace of God. So even though Ahab was a very evil king, God still showed up and protected Israel from the Syrians. And they killed 127,000 Syrians with an army that was much smaller than that. The only army they mentioned is one of 7,000. I have an idea they had more than that when they finally went into battle, but they were definitely outnumbered. But if God is for us, who could be against us? Amen? And you plus God is a majority. But if you'll remember that God rebuked Ahab at the end of chapter 20. Matter of fact, let's just read it. It's there in verse 42. It says, then he said to him, this is uh, the prophet, the anonymous prophet speaking to him. Thus says the Lord, because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to, utterly, uh, to utter destruction, therefore your life, your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. So the king of Israel, that's Ahab, went his way to his house sullen and displeased and came to Samaria. So it ends, though even God, though God had brought them a great victory in spite of their evil king, in spite of their godless king, 
that God pronounces judgment on King Ahab because he did not finish the job. They killed 127,000 Syrians, but he let the king of the Syrians live. And that's kind of a picture of what can happen in our lives. We give our lives to the Lord, but we hold on to that one pet sin. And the Lord says, we got to die to all of it. Can I get an amen to that? We repent of all of it, we confess all of it, and we follow the Lord. So grab your outline, and then we'll get into tonight's chapter. I tell the message, nothing is hidden from God. You'll see that in tonight's text. We're going to continue to look at Ahab and Jezebel. We're going to be introduced to a new, uh, a new man by the name of uh, Naboth. We'll see him tonight as well. First of all, we must obey God rather than man. Can I get an amen to that? God bless you guys for giving because we're on a lot of radio stations and we get calls all day, every day from people on the radio. And I got a call from somebody who lives about 70 miles from here. They're going to come to church here on Sunday because we're open. It's really sad that churches are still not open. Can I get an amen to that? That people are still afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And we don't obey man. We obey God. Amen. We obey man until man tells us to disobey God. But make every decision that you make through the lens of God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit and value God's word above worldly riches and worldly wisdom. We're going to see someone do that. And so guys, sometimes when you make a stand for God, it comes at a great price. And we're going to see that in tonight's text. Number two, find your peace in the Prince of Peace. Don't fall apart when things don't go your way. Have anything that didn't go your way in the last couple months? Something that you wanted to have happen that didn't happen? Well, welcome to life. Can I get an amen to that? And if you're only happy when everything is going your way, you're not going to be happy very often. And that's why as Christians, we don't pursue happiness. We have joy. Amen? And what with joy is something that is apart, separated from our circumstances. It has nothing to do with what's going on in our life. It has everything to do with who we are in Christ. Amen? Peace is not the absence of war. It's a right relationship with the Prince of Peace. Number three, the consequences of our sins keep us humble, broken, and desperate. We're going to see someone sin, and then we're going to see that person rescued from the consequences. Here's the problem with that. And we, I think we can do this, especially as parents. Somebody makes a mistake and we want to rescue them. And sometimes that's okay, but sometimes we need to let them feel the consequences. Can I get an amen to that? Because here's part of the problem. You know, that's part of the problem with the government too sometimes. You know, right now, people are having a hard time getting people to come to work because unemployment pays so much, people don't want to work. I have all these clients of mine, they're like, we would open tomorrow, but we can't open because I can't get any of my employees to come back. Guys, we don't want to incentivize the wrong behavior. Can I get an amen to that? And we don't want to rescue people. And, and I remember doing this in high school. One of my sons was a, all three of my boys were star athletes. And one of my sons had not done a paper he needed to do. And he was going to miss the homecoming game. And I mean, the homecoming game of your senior year, that's kind of a big deal. And it's because he didn't turn in an assignment. And I kind of came to his rescue because I wanted to watch him play too. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's just the reality of it. But then that continued. And finally, I had to just take my hands off when he was playing basketball. And they, they, he missed a bunch of games because he wouldn't do his homework. And guys, if we, do, if we just keep rescuing people from the consequences of sin, they'll continue in it. Amen? And we're going to see in tonight's text that Jezebel is going to do that with Ahab. Number four. Evil's victories are only temporary. Let me say that one more time. Evil's victories are only temporary. All the stuff that goes around, uh, on around us right now that frustrates us, here's the good news. It's not permanent 
God's on the throne. It's only temporary. We're going to heaven. And in the end, God wins. Can I get an amen to that? So as we look at evil, our heart breaks. We want to see uh, transforming work that God can do through the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to see lives changed. But the good news is that evil's victories are only temporary. The persecution of the righteous is for but a moment and has a heavenly reward and the wicked will not escape the righteous judgment of God. Number five, nothing is hidden from God. Your sin will surely find you out. We'll see that in tonight's text. We'll see that bad company corrupts good morals. And we're really going to talk about the fact that next to giving your life to the Lord, next to being born again, the most important decision you make is whether or not you should marry, and if you do choose to marry, who you marry. Can I get an amen to that? And, it's, and beyond marriage, it's also those people that you allow to have an influence on your life. And we're going to see that King Ahab, while he was evil, and he was called evil by the word of God and by the Lord himself, I believe the most evil thing he did was the wife he chose. Can I get an amen? Because her influence on him may, helped make him into the man that he became. And by the way, guys, we need to man up and be the spiritual leader in our household. Can I get an amen to that? Because if I was married to Jezebel, we'd have had some conversations. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, we're not doing any of that. Amen. And sadly, you know, he let her march in. They brought Baal worship to Israel. She was killing the prophets of Yahweh. And he just sat back and did nothing. And too often as men, I think that's one of the biggest errors in marriage is men sit back and do nothing. And their wives have to take the role of spiritual leader that they were never meant to have. Finally, true repentance is more than temporary sorrow. A lot of people are sorry when they get caught. A lot of people are sorry when they're facing a jail sentence or they're getting a ticket or uh, they can't play in the basketball game, right? But real repentance goes far beyond just a temporary sorrow. So let's begin there in verse one, looking at nothing is hidden from God. We must obey God rather than man. So we just ended. We know that Ahab knows that judgment is coming from God. It's delivered by one of the anonymous uh, prophets, the prophets were not mentioned. Their names were not mentioned in the previous chapter. I think God was showing Elijah. He told him that I have 7,000 more just like you. I think that's some of the people that were doing ministry in the previous chapter. And now King Ahab has to know for to some degree that trouble's awaiting him, but we'll see what kind of man he continues to be. And it says, it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. So the king, Samaria was the capital, if you will, of the northern kingdom. Jerusalem was the capital of Judah and the southern kingdom. And Samaria, Samaritan woman, right, was the, the capital. And that's where the king lived, where King Ahab lived. We're going to find out that right outside of his palace and where he lived was this beautiful vineyard. And he wanted to buy this vineyard from whoever owned it. And he saw it merely as a real estate transaction. He saw this beautiful vineyard. He wants it for himself. He's the king. And so he's going to approach Naboth. Look at verse two. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard that I may use it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house. And for it, I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. So the location is what, is what Ahab looks at. Ahab is only looking at it from a physical perspective. And when we deal with the world, that's how they relate to us. 
If we have a spiritual or an eternal perspective, and they're talking to us from a, from a temporal perspective, sometimes it's hard to really communicate. Guys, if you don't, if you don't know that there's a heaven, you're going to spend all your energy on stuff in this life that's all temporary. But if you know that heaven is better, if you know that this is but a vapor of time, we're going to spend our time investing in things that will outlast this life. Can I get an amen to that? So he asked him a simple question seemingly. And, it, and if Naboth did not know what the word of God said, if he didn't know what the Lord had commanded, he could have seen this as an opportunity to make some money. Because the king says to him, well, if you want to do it, I'll give you another vineyard that's better than this one. I'll give you a bigger one. I just want the one right next to my house because I want a vegetable garden and I want it near my house. And he offers him money and he offers him a bigger again, a vineyard, if he, he would so choose. So it's well seen, Mike, again, a simple request. Naboth knew what God's word says. In both Leviticus 25 and in Numbers 36, the land of promise was given when they went into the land. And we saw this, if you were here, when we went through Leviticus and Numbers, that the land was divided by tribes. God did it. And he gave the boundaries and he said where they would be and position the Levites where they could have ministry and then it was given not just by tribes, but then by family. So each family got a plot that was going to be their fathers and then theirs and then their children's. And they were not to ever let that property go because it was God's plan. And only in a time of desperation might they lease it out to somebody. There was also something called the year of Jubilee that if somehow you sold it after 50 years, you would get it back. But the point was they were not to give it away. And that's what the word of God said. So here's what Naboth has to, to balance. I can get a better vineyard and a bigger one. The king's rich. He can probably give me a ton of money or I can obey God. And see, that's how it is for us sometimes with the enemy. You know, he's not going to tempt you, you know, with, you know, with lima beans. He's just not going to do that. Okay. He's going to tempt you with something that is tempting to you. Amen. And so what he does is it's always something that, you know, is going to entice you. Now I love Naboth is, you know, here's his vineyard and Ahab doesn't even understand, but we're going to see that he responds from a godly perspective, even when the person he's talking to has no idea. See, Ahab is a pagan idol worshiper. He had no idea the request he was making was contrary to the word of God. And though the king of Israel, he did not know the God of Israel. And see, the world will do the same thing with us. They'll make requests of you, to go do things that are contrary to the word of God. And the only way they're going to know they're contrary to the word of God is if you let them know. Can I get an amen to that? I've shared this with you before. My coworkers, they never asked me because they all called me Pastor Dave. But a couple of times a week, they'd all go to like Hooters for lunch. And nobody came by my cubicle asking me if I wanted to go because they already knew the answer to that. But the reality is, uh, the point I'm making is, and we're not self-righteous and holier than thou, we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread, but we need to, people need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And it should be something that when someone asks you a question, we can either bow to the, what the world wants, we can either follow after, oh, this looks like a great opportunity to make some money, case for Naboth, or I can say, oh, no, no, no. God's word says, I obey him. Can I get an amen to that? And so the first point there is we must obey God rather than men. And praise God for men like Naboth. 
that value God's word above worldly riches and the requests of the king. His faithfulness to obey God rather than man, we'll see in a few verses, is going to come at a very heavy price. See, guys, just because we obey God doesn't mean it's going to go smoothly. Sometimes we're going to obey God, and the con- you might lose your job for obeying God. You might lose some relationships because you choose to obey God. There may come a time when we get arrested because we choose to obey God. Amen? And so there's a point where we obey God rather than men, no matter what the consequences may be. And Naboth is going to be a prime example of that. There's a great lesson here for all of us. We must look at every choice we make in light of Scripture. Every choice you make should be looked at through the lens of scripture. And the only way you can do that is if you read the Bible, amen? You can't let the word of God be the foundation of your life if you don't open it up. We need to open it, we need to read it and obey it. You know, God's word is described as the pillar and foundation of truth and we must obey God rather than man. See, here's the problem in the world today. It is biblical illiteracy and a lack of reverence for God's word that has led not only the world, but self-proclaiming Christians and entire denominations to not only accept, but even celebrate sinful actions and behavior. I drove by a church just recently and on the street corner, it said, homosexual marriage, God says it's okay. And it had this list of seven things that God says is okay. And God doesn't say any of them are okay. You know what they did? They voted on it. And they said, well, we think God thinks it's okay. What you think God thinks is irrelevant. What God's word says is all that matters. Can I get an amen to that? We're not going to vote on anything here ever for anything ever. Amen. We don't vote. We read the book and we obey. Can I get an amen to that? Here's some things I thought about. What about moral relativism? You guys know what that is? My truth. I'm going to get sick if I hear that again. I'm living my truth. There's no my truth and your truth. There's the truth. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Can I get an amen to that? Well, I'm living my truth. Just stop it already. (laughs) Drop that philosophy class and get on with your life. Can I get an amen? But there's this mentality that I decide what's right for me. No, you decide whether or not you're going to obey God or not. Can I get an amen to that? Fornication. It's rampant in Christian churches. People, people are shocked when I tell people that my daughter and my son-in-law, when they got married, when I said you may kiss the bride, it was the first kiss of their life, and people tell me that I'm lying. And that's a fact. And I'm not saying that has to happen, but I'll tell you what, virginity until marriage in the church should be the rule and not the exception. Can I get an amen to that? So, but we live in a time right now, well, hey, dude, it's 2000 and whatever. And hey, you know, man, hey, that's how the world is now. Well, that's how the world is, not how God is. Amen. Adultery, not okay. Homosexuality and same-sex marriage. By the way, it's not marriage because God created marriage, not the government. Can I get an amen to that? And God said marriage is between one man and one woman and anything else is a perversion of that. And God doesn't recognize it and neither do I. Can I get an amen to that? It's God's word that decides. Drunkenness. Christians drink and sometimes drink too much and look like it's not that big a deal. Guys, be not drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't need spirits, we need the Spirit. Can I get an amen? I know that pot is now legal. It's still not okay. Can I get an amen to that? You have no idea how many emails I get. Well, it's legal. Well, so is adultery. Amen? It's legal just because the world says it's okay. See, guys, that's why this is the foundation, not the opportunity that's placed before us. 
They used to do that to me in Santa Cruz. Well, about your day, man. You know, Santa Cruz is very, very hippie, okay? I grew up there. You know, come on, it grows up out of the ground, Pastor Dave. Come on, man. You know, God let me smoke some of that. I go, dude, mercury's in the ground. Smoke some of that. See how that works out. Poison oak's in the ground. Smoke <laughs> some of that. But the reality is there's this mentality that we want to change what the word of God says and go based on our own wisdom or what the world says is okay. And guys, it's coming not just in the world, but it's in the church. Amen? Some other things that came to mind. Abortion. That's one of the things they said. We're pro-choice. God's pro-choice. No, God's pro-life. Can I get an amen? He knits us together in his mother's womb. Women do not leave without a baby. They, 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 just, they don't leave having left a baby behind. What they've done is they've left as mothers of dead children. Can I get an amen to that? Now, if you've done that in the past, God will forgive you, but that should never happen again. Transgenderism. Are we? Help me out here. By the way, we might have Caitlyn Jenner rubbing it for governor. <laughs> I have Christians calling me. She has good points. No. If you wear a dress and you're a man, no. Can I get an amen to that? No. No, no. I will vote for no one if, those, if it's those two. No. But the reality is we live in a world today that we get desensitized to sin. Can I get an amen to that? If we hear it long enough and we see it enough, all of a sudden it's okay. It's not okay. Because it's not okay with God. There's two genders, by the way. If you're confused about which one you are, we can help you out with that. Can I get an amen? Stop. The doctor said it when you were born. Slapped you on the rear end. It's a boy. Amen. The love of self. The love. Of, I spoke at a college, a Christian college. I taught the text. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. And when I said we're called to deny self and not esteem self, half the people got up and walked out of the room because they were psychology majors and they were being taught that we must esteem ourselves. My problem is I have low self-esteem. No, no, your problem is you esteem yourself way too much. Can I get an amen to that? I'm thinking about me way more than I should be. How about you? By the way, when you got ready for church tonight and you want to make sure you look nice, nobody noticed, nobody cares because they're all looking at themselves. Can I get an amen to that? And that's the reality. The Bible doesn't say esteem self, it says deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow me. But that's even in the church today, we, we want to magnify self. Oh, we got to help them with their snow. They need to deny self. The love of money. There are churches that are all about money. And they'll manipulate you into giving, thinking that God's the holy Santa Claus in the sky, and it's some kind of lottery. If you give to God, he'll give you back 10 times what you gave him. I think it's funny, though. Why don't they give everybody in the audience a thousand bucks? Because God will give them more back. That never happens. Can I get an amen? But there's this mentality where the love of money somehow is okay in the church. We're to love God. Can I get an amen? We need to be good stewards of what God provides for us, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Evolution is a lie of the devil. Amen? It, it denies creation. By the way, have you noticed how all these attacks were in Genesis? Creation, marriage, genders. It's all in Genesis. Amen? And they are attacking the foundation of the word of God. And this is happening in churches. You know what's amazing to me? I talked to a pastor last week who said the resurrection is not necessary to be Christians. And I'm like, I don't know what Bible you're reading, bro. Can I get an amen to that? Because if he's not risen, we're not Christians. Amen? 
He has arisen the living Savior, which has triumphed over sin and death. Here's another thing. I'm not trying to offend anybody. If you more identify with your race, your national origin, your political party than you do with Jesus, you need to repent. Can I get an amen to that? People are, I'm this, 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 oh, and I'm a Christian. No, we're Christians first. Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. That's who we are. Amen? And that should be the first thing we discuss. There's a rejection of the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, there's redemption on the cross, the resurrection. Oh, that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is happening in churches. Here's why. Because they're biblically illiterate. They don't read the Bible. They listen to the world when they need to listen to the Lord. Can I get an amen? And so here's Naboth. Here's Ahab coming to him. It seems like it's just a, a real estate transaction. I'm sure that Ahab doesn't even realize what he's doing probably. He just thinks he wants a vegetable garden next to his house. And watch what Naboth has to say. Look at verse four, or verse three. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance, that give the inheritance of my fathers to you. God bless this man. Can I get an Amen. Now, what's Ahab known for? Is he a real nice guy or could he go off and like have you put to death? Ahab is not a nice guy. And by the way, he's married to Jezebel. And Nahab knows that, Naboth. He knows that. And what does he do? He looks him in the eye and says, paraphrase, I'm going to obey God. God gave, gave this land to my family and I am not going to sell it to you at any price. Not going to happen. Now, that takes some guts. We must obey God rather than man, no matter what it may cost us here in the temporal. Naboth is living his life in light of God's word and commands, and not only rejected what could have been a, land, uh, a windfall for himself, but he points Ahab, the pagan king of Israel, back to the truth that he finds in God's word. See, Ahab has rejected God. So who's going to tell Ahab what God's word says? Somebody who reads it. Can I get amen? Somebody who follows it. We shouldn't be surprised that the world doesn't know what the word of God says, but we should be surprised when people who claim to know God don't know what the word of God says. It's comically sad when you see a politician try to quote the Bible and you can tell they've never read it in their life. They take the text out of context. It's so tragic. Can I get amen to that? And here's Ahab getting educated. By the way, no, I can't sell it to you. Let me tell you why. It's not the price. It's not that I don't want a bigger vineyard. It's because God's word says no. God told us no. When God gave us the land, we're to keep it forever. And I'm going to obey God. So praise God that he knew what the word of God said. And he was willing to stand up for the word of God, even to a king that was known to fly off the handle. And if not the king, certainly his wife. So point number one there, nothing is hidden from God. We must obey God rather than man, make every decision in the, in the, through the lens of God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit, value God's word above worldly riches and worldly wisdom. And that's exactly what Naboth has done. Look at verse point number two, find your peace in the Prince of Peace, verse four. So Ahab went into his house, sullen and displeased. And because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on the bed and turned his face away and would eat no food. I didn't know there are millennials in the Bible. <laughs> he didn't get what he wanted, so he went home and moped. 
Maybe he's looking for a safe space in a coloring book. Can I get an amen? He was so upset, he went home and laid on his bed. I'm not going to eat or anything. He's the king of Israel. He's got the same position King David had. And he didn't get his vegetable garden, so he went home and moped. What a wimp. Can I get an amen to that? I'm sorry. I don't get it. I just look at it. Like I said, when I, when I read through this text throughout the week, I put myself in each person's place. And if some guy said, dude, I'm not going to show you the vegetable garden. Cool, man. No worries. Hey, man, I can amen. He goes home and mopes. You know why? Because he's a spoiled, rotten brat. Can I get an amen to that? He gets whatever he wants, whatever he wants it, because he's the king, and nobody tells the king no, and praise God for somebody who said, I'm going to obey God, and I'm not going to give you what you want. And so he goes home, and he's feeling sad. He's a woke millennial, <laughs> and it's just tragic. You know what? And maturity, we've seen this before with Ahab, when he was rebuked for not dealing with the king of Syria, just in the previous chapter, he went home sullen and displeased. That seems to be his way of living. You know, when we don't have a relationship with God or any kind of eternal perspective, you fall apart when you don't get what you want. If your whole focus is this life, then your happiness is going to be based on everything being perfect in this life, and you won't be happy very often. And the sad part is, he doesn't get what he wants. He's used to always getting what he wants, so now he's going to go mope. My, my uh, niece uh, teaches at a school in Colorado, in Boulder, and she's a PE teacher. And she said she was told when she was hired that you can never tell the kids no. You're never allowed to tell the kids no. And if they don't want to participate, you can't make them participate. And if they don't want to participate, you have to find a safe space for them and make sure they're comfortable. You're raising the biggest bunch of brats in the history of the world. Can I get an amen to that? I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. We need the board of education at that school. Can I get an amen? But the reality is that that happens spiritually too, where we come to God and if we don't get what we want, then we get mad at God and we, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'll show him. And that, and the time when you're going through the diff, most difficult time and you don't want to be here is the time you need to be here the most. Can I get an amen to that? And I, and I, it's like, I don't want to downplay really heavy stuff. Some of you guys have been through some heavy things. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay that at all. Some things you guys have been through are just heartbreakers. I even hear about it. It brings me to tears. But I'm talking about this is a case where this man wants something temporal. He's told no. And because he has a temporal perspective, it literally is, you know, ruining his day. When life fall, it fell apart for Job, how did he respond? I love this. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When things got even worse and his wife told him to curse God and die, he said to her, you speak as a foolish, one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. See, Job lost his whole family. He lost all his property, lost all his wealth. He lost everything the world had to offer. And he was a godly man. And instead of being mad at God, he praised God. Guys, if we only praise God when things are good, we don't serve God. We expect God to serve us. And if he's not being the holy Santa Claus in the sky that gives us what we want, then we don't worship him. You don't, know, you, don't, you don't worship him ever then. And so you made yourself God and you made him have to please you. And that's not the God of the word. Amen? 
So watch what happens. He's in his room. He's staring away at the wall. He won't eat any food. He's pouting. Verse five. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said, why is your spirit so sullen and you eat no food? And he said to her, because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, give me your vineyard for money or else if it pleases you, give you I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Oh no, life is over. He tells Jezebel, and I'm surprised she didn't say, get up, Nancy, and get back to work or something. Right? <laughs> get up. What's wrong with you? Get up. She doesn't do that. She's going to feed this behavior. He's supposed to be the one that's leading the family. I wanted my vegetable garden, but they said no. And the king, King Ahab needs a SWAT. He needs a board of education. Can I get an amen? And what does he do? He needs to repent and grow up. And as mature believers, we need to surrender our lives fully to the Lord and trust in both the faithfulness and the sovereignty of God, not about things going my way, but things going God's way. You know, the promise in the word of God that says, you know, that if we, uh, you know, God is a gracious God and a loving God and a merciful God. And he has plan a plan for your life, but it may not be the plan you want. He may not take in the direction you want to go. And so we need to humble ourselves before him and say, Lord, it's not my will be done. It's thy will be done. Amen. We need to have a heart and a desire to serve him no matter what, to say, Lord, I surrender my life. You want me to move to China tomorrow? I'll go. Whatever the question is, Lord, the answer is yes. King Ahab is just the opposite of that. Point number three, the consequences of our sins keep us humble, broken, and desperate. Now watch what happens. Things aren't going his way. His wife Jezebel hears it. So here's what she says. Then Jezebel's wife says to him, you now exercise authority over Israel. Arise and eat food and let your heart be cheerful. And I will give you the vineyard, the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. So this is going to the spoiled rotten brat who won't eat because he didn't get Oreos for dinner. And you tell him, get up. I'll give you all the Oreos you want. And I'm going to go build you a playhouse in the backyard. And you know what you're doing? You're creating somebody who's going to be, have this attitude all the time. Can I get an amen to that? You're, you're raising a spot. So Jezebel says to him, look, get up and eat. Make yourself, I'll go make sure that he gives us the vineyard. I'll take care of it. By the way, he's supposed to be the man. He's supposed to be the one protecting his wife and taking care of his wife. And his wife's going to go out and take care of it for him. And that tells me that he's not much of a man at all. Sometimes we are all, we want to fix other people's problems. And sometimes that's a good thing. But sometimes we cross the line of what is right all in the name of our concern for our loved ones. And sometimes even a sin that's being committed that has consequences, we try to rescue them. And it's okay to help people, but at some point, we need to allow sin to have its consequences. I've had people call me out to bail them out of jail. No. You've got the money. That's not the point. I'm not the one who did what you did, so get your act together. Can I get an amen? Call me up. I'll pray with you on the phone. I'll come down and visit. You can stay there and get this worked out. Amen. See, guys, if we're always bailing people out, if we're always rescuing people, they're never going to learn that if I continue this behavior, it's not going to go well for me. And here's Ahab. Je Jezebel's going to go and get him what he wants. And she's going to do it at a high cost to somebody else. And it's so tragic when we see this. He's the king of Israel. 
Same position of King David. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The children of Israel that wandered through the wilderness are now in the land of promise. And he's moping in his room because he doesn't get a vegetable garden. And now his wife's going to go get it for him so he'll cheer up. There's so many things wrong with that. It's not even funny. Now watch. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, sent the letters to the elders and nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. She wrote in the letter saying, proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people and seat two scoundrels before him to bear witness against him saying, you have blasphemed God and the king and take him out and stone him that he may die. Wow. So she writes the letters as if she's Ahab. Then she takes his seal, which was usually on their ring. So she either took his ring or walked over and made him press his hand on it. And then they mailed these letters to the elders and told them that they needed to fast. Now, here's what's comical about this. We fast and pray to Yahweh, the God they don't believe in. But she calls for a fast and they would only call for a fast when it was a very difficult time in the land and they needed to gather together and cry out to God. This is not a feast, it's a fast. So there's some difficult thing going on in the land. He didn't get his garden. We have to have a fast. So they're supposed to be fasting. Now remember that Jezebel is the same one who put to death most of the prophets of Israel to the point, the prophets of Yahweh in Israel, to the point that Elijah thought he was the last one left. So she's killing prophets, but now she's calling a fast to cry out to the God of the very prophets that she killed. Talk about a mess. Somebody needs to step up and talk to these people, amen? Somebody needs to make a stand for the Lord. But notice that Naboth did, and now what's the plan? Two scoundrels, the word there for scoundrels literally means sons of Satan. We're going to get two sons of Satan, sons of Belial, sons of Satan. And we're going to have them make up a story, because you have to have two or more witnesses, and then we can rid ourselves of our problem. See, the, when they're doing the, the fast, it's kind of like they're looking for the Jonah, if you will. If it was legitimate, remember when Jonah was on the boat? And do you remember how there were huge waves? And do you remember how everybody thought they were going to die? And they started throwing their cargo over. And Jonah finally comes up and said, it's me. I was supposed to go to Nineveh. I got on a boat going the other direction. If you throw me off, the sea will get calm. And he didn't get any arguments. Off he went, right? <laughs> So that when they're having this fast, it's kind of like, oh, what is it that's happening in our nation? Now, they'd already gone through the drought. I'm not sure how they positioned it. But basically, said, so we need to fast and find out who the problem is. And then these two scoundrels, it was going to be told beforehand that they're going to get up and they're going, to put, they're going to put Naboth in a position where everybody can see him in a position of honor. And then they're going to get up right in front of everybody and make false accusations against him that he is blaspheming God and the king. And the crazy part about it is there's no two, the two biggest blasphemers of God in the whole kingdom are Jezebel and Ahab. Amen. And they're going to accuse this godly man of being a blasphemer. Don't be surprised when the world falsely accuse you because you make stands for the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? Don't be surprised when the world attacks you and attacks your character because you make stands for the Lord. So they're seeking God's intervention. It's a total charade. 
Wicked Jezebel's using a fast before God to find answers as part of her treacherous plan. She's got these two men all set up. Verse 11 through 16, evil victories are only temporary. Look at verse 11. So the men of the city, the elders, the nobles, who are inhabitants of the city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it is written in the letters which she sent to them. They proclaimed a fast. They seated Naboth in a high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and said before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Notice there's no, we're not going to see any proof that he did any of this, because he didn't do it. And you know what this reminds me of? Who else was falsely accused and was put to death having done nothing wrong? Jesus. Can I get an amen? And they raised up false witnesses, just like they're doing here to Naboth. And the same thing can even happen to us sometimes. Oh, my wife doesn't get mad at me. I'm going to share something I hadn't planned on sharing. So my wife just quit her job this week because for the last six months, she's been getting nothing but heat from fellow employees. She works at a charter school, basically because she's a Christian and nobody else is. And they've mocked her Christianity. They've mocked her faith. They've, they've literally... Uh, we'll go in a room where she's there and they'll ignore her and they've mistreated her. And finally this week, she called me in tears and said, is it okay if I quit? And I said, of course it is. Now, the husband and me, <laughs> help me Lord not to do that. Can I get an amen? Wanted to go down and have a little discussion with a few folks in Jesus' name, amen? But the point is that I said, babe, what's the deal? And like they, they, she was, they were talking to another Christian lady and they said, oh, are you one of those... Are you one of those um, people that is so stupid that you actually believe in that book? You actually believe that, you know, that book was written by men. I didn't realize you were that stupid. Mocking our faith. And my wife's been telling me this for months. And, you know, and for me, if they did that to me. Dude, get over it, bro. You need to get saved, man. I, I mean, that's just, but my wife's not built like that. And most women aren't. Can I get an amen to that? And so I want to protect her. Point I'm making is sometimes when you're just doing the things for the Lord, they started lying and saying she wasn't showing up and she was on her phone all the time and wasn't watching the kid. None of that was true. My wife leaves her phone. You know, and she look at all that and you look that to, now that's minor persecution in the realm of life. But to her, that's a big deal. She's been working there for four years. She loved the kids and it broke her heart. Amen. Point is sometimes when you make it simply because you're a Christian, people will go after you. Simply because you stand for the Lord. You know why? Because when you walk in the building, the Holy Spirit shows up. Can I get an amen? And the fact that you're there living for the Lord brings conviction to unbelievers. And they don't like it. They want to silence the light. Turn the light out. I want to keep it dark in here. Well, Naboth dared to stand up for the word of God. And now Jezebel's going after him. And they raised up some false witnesses. And, and now an angel's going to come and rescue him. Uh, no. Look what happens. It says there, verse 13, the second half, and they took him outside the city and they stoned him with stones so that he died. Wait a minute, Pastor Dave, you're telling me this guy made a stand for God and they killed him? Yeah. You know, in the Bible, somebody, somebody used mightily and I'll show you somebody who suffered greatly. Can I get an amen to that? And we as Christians, we feel like we should just be on the cruise ship to heaven sometimes. And we, we don't like it when somebody opposes us. 
And we got to realize the Bible says, blessed are you when they revile and Jesus said this, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake, for so they did the prophets who went before you. Can I get an amen to that? So when they're persecuting you for your faith, you're in good company. Amen? And Naboth, do you think he's in heaven bummed out right now that he stood for the Lord? Here's the good news. Naboth closed his eyes on earth and opened him up in what was then paradise, and now he's in heaven. Amen? And you know what? He gave his life for the Lord. And I can think of no, and he, you know what? His name's in the Bible because of it. Amen? And praise God, and we need to make sure that when those divine appointments and opportunities come, that we don't faint in the day of adversity. The Bible says in Proverbs, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. That's for the opportunity to make a stand for the kingdom of God and for his glory. And Naboth did it, and he didn't get the reward that some people do. He stood for God, and he didn't get a, a, a bigger vineyard. He didn't get a bigger position. You know what he got? Paradise which is better than any vineyard on this planet. Can I get an amen to that? And so we see that the consequences of sin keep us humble, broken, and desperate. And the, the evil's victories are only temporary because we're going to see that this doesn't last forever. So Jezebel has gotten what she wanted. She finagled the sons of Satan. We also know from verse 14, if you go look later in 2 Kings chapter 9, not only did they kill Naboth, they went and got his whole family, at least all of his sons, and killed them all. Why would they do that? So nobody could inherit the property, like Richard just said. So look, if they just kill him, then the sons get the property, then they got to go ask the son, and he might tell them, no, the Lord forbids it, and then we got to do it all over again. So they just killed all the sons. Why? Because Naboth stood for the word of God and said, I'm going to obey God. So they killed his whole family. So the guy could have a vegetable garden. The world's got some messed up priorities. Can I get an amen to that? This is the king of Israel who's doing this and the queen of Israel. Just because you have a title by your name doesn't mean you serve the Lord. So they murder two generations of men in order to have a place to grow vegetables right next to their, you know, their palace there. Verse 14. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass that Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give to you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. And so it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth in Jezreelite, at the Jezreelite. So the, this man who was moping, this guy was the furthest thing from a king, the furthest thing from a mature man, is moping and whining because he didn't get what he wanted. And so his wife Jezebel arranged for two generations of an entire family to die so that King Ahab could get what he wants. Guys, it may look like Jezebel and Ahab won, but we all know in eternity that it's Naboth and his sons that are in glory and it's Jezebel and Ahab that are separated from Almighty God for all eternity. Now, I want to say this about this situation. It's not just, it's not just, uh, it's not just Ahab and Jezebel that are wrong here. They wrote a letter to the elders and told the elders what they wanted to do, and the elders did it. 
And they're guilty too. Can I get an amen? So Ahab was a weak man with power. And his wife was a strong woman with power. And the elders were a bunch of subservient people to evil people who also had power. And guys, God gives us gifts and God puts us in positions to be used for his glory. And it doesn't matter if your boss tells you to do something contrary to the word of God, one of these elders should have stood up and said, we're not going to make something up and put somebody to death that didn't do anything wrong. Can I get an amen to that? But sadly, what happens is we can be too Focus on pleasing the boss or pleasing the queen or pleasing the king or thinking if I don't, I might be the one that dies instead so that we wimp out and we, we don't honor the Lord. Lord, help us not to fear men, but to fear God. Amen? Help us not to fall into the trap of being so afraid of men that we walk in disobedience to Almighty God. I, I told you this, I, I've gotten more static because we've stayed open all the way through and I, get, I still get emails, I still get texts. We have people that used to go to our church that will never come back saying that I've been irresponsible and that I'm gonna, I'm gonna be accountable to God on judgment day because we had church. And I just write back, forsake not together yourselves together and all the more as day approaches. That's what God says. Can I get amen to that? So we obey God and I always say, I love you. I'm sorry you feel that way but I'm not going to do anything different because you think different. I'm going to do what God says. Well, there's five or six of us. I don't care if there's 5,000 of you. We're not doing it. Can I get an amen? So we need to make a stand for the things of God and praise God for Naboth. And you know what? And making the stand, you know, who knows down the road could end up getting arrested and we'll just have a jail ministry. Can I get an amen? But it's standing for the things of God, no matter what the consequences are. In this world, you have tribulation, but be of a good cheer for I have overcome the world. Amen. You can't threaten me with heaven. That should be, that, are we going to have an impact on this world that so desperately needs Jesus, especially in this state where everyone's leaving? The people that should stay are all leaving. We need to stay and be salt and light because people here need Jesus. This is one of the greatest mission fields on the planet. We need the Christians to stay. Can I get an amen to that? Some of you are already looking at, you were looking at stuff in Montana on your phone earlier today, and you're like, I'm not so much. <laughs> I go buy a ranch for $100,000, right? <laughs> Nobody will be around us. It'll be great. And you know what? We can all go climb a mountain, contemplate our navels till Jesus comes back, or we can be faithful to serve him until he gets here. Can I get an amen? I want to be about his kingdom when he returns. So here we have, and, and it's got to be frustrating when you see people doing evil and it seems like they're getting away with it. Doesn't it look like they just got away with it? The elders got away with it. The scoundrels got away with it. Ahab got away with it. Jezebel got away with it. A godly man and his entire family are dead. This just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. Guys, it's not over yet. Amen? It's not over yet. The righteous judgment is still coming. And no matter how, I don't care if people get away with it for five days, five months, 50 years, or a hundred years, eventually God suffers long, but he won't suffer always. And eventually every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Yes. And so even when we see what's going on in the world around us, and it's hard to take, we need to be salt and light and reach people for the kingdom of God and trust in our savior that he is faithful and in control. Hey, we're going to get reinduced to somebody here. So even his victory is only temporary. Nothing is hidden from God, starting verse 17. So he wasn't in chapter 20 at all. Last time we saw him, he and Elisha had been teamed up together. 
He had a new friend, so he wasn't actually the only prophet left on the planet. He's going to pour his life into him and disciple him and prepare him to take his place when he later goes to heaven. And guess who comes back? Now, Elijah, remember, at first, he came in to Ahab and kicked all the idols down and told him it wasn't going to rain. Then he came back one more time and challenged the prophets of Baal. You guys remember that? And he stood up in boldness and even mocked the prophets. He's probably hunting. He's in the bathroom. That's why he's not answering. And then brought fire down from the sky. But something made him run. What was it? Jezebel. You know this woman's got to be mean because he's confronting Ahab. This is going to be the third time confronting Ahab. He ran when Jezebel just said she was coming after him. And he ran away, went 100 miles away to get as far away as possible. Well, look, God has got him back where he needs to be. He, he, before, remember, he went away and he sat under a tree and said he wanted to die. Guys, we can all have moments of discouragement and depression and all that, but you need to know something. Our God is still in control and you don't need to stay there. Can I get an amen to that? God can restore you. God wants to use you again. Don't let the enemy win. So, so Elijah comes back again and he's going to go confront Ahab, who's real happy out picking bell peppers or something. I don't know. Now watch what happens. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, arise, go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. So he tells him, arise and go meet Ahab. Ahab's out there, you know, enjoying his new garden that he so desperately wanted. Elijah back being the, the faithful servant of God that he's called to be. And he goes down to confront him. He says there, you shall speak to him saying, verse 19, thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him saying, thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Whoa. So he ran away before, just at the threat of death. And now he's being told, go confront Ahab, who thinks that their plan, they've gotten away with it because the people that were there, the two scoundrels who got up and made up the story, most of the people probably believed it. They thought he deserved to be executed, but God always knows the truth. You cannot hide your sin from God. Amen. And so what does God do? It's a Nathan moment. Remember when Nathan came to David, thou art the man. Remember he came to him and he told him a story about a man who had one little lamb and how he's you know, the guy who had all these lambs stole his lamb and then cooked it and fed it. And then he, he said, oh, go find that man and kill him. He said, well, David, that's actually you because you stole another man's wife and you already have multiple wives in your own. Amen. This is, a, this is a Nathan moment. But David received it and repented. And now we're going to have a Nathan moment where this thing he thinks he got away with, he's down in this little garden feeling good about himself. And then walks Elijah and he's going to confront Ahab as he, and said, you just murdered some people. And you know the blood, the dogs that licked up the blood of Naboth, they're going to be licking up your blood too. Now that's more than a threat. That's a promise from God. Can I get an amen to that? And Elijah could have been fearful, but he's not. Because when we're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we don't need to fear men no matter what. Amen. And so he goes down, and he's going to confront him. By the way, dogs in those days, are, you know, a lot of, most of them are not like the puppies we have. They were literally scavengers. 
You know, they would go find dead animals and pick the bones off of them. They were wild dogs. So he's saying, look, you know, when they killed Naboth, they threw rocks at him till he died. These scavenger dogs showed up afterwards, probably more like coyotes today, right? And they came out and licked up all the blood. He said, yeah, they licked up their blood. Give me looking up your blood too, bro. You're next. It's coming for you. Your sin has found you out. An announcement of judgment is a calling to repentance. Let me say that one more time. Anytime you are caught in sin or anytime there's an announcement of judgment coming your way because of something you've done, it's an opportunity to repent. Can I get an amen to that? So when you've been convicted, when you've been confronted, when you have sinned, you can lie and say you didn't do it. You can pretend it didn't happen or you can repent. You you heard me say this before. When confronted with sin, you can do one of three things. You ready? Make excuses, accuse others, or repent. Amen? You get pulled over on the freeway. I'm just driving the same speed as everybody else. That's making excuses or, and accusing others, right? They're all driving the same speed. Why'd you pick on me? The reality is, if you're a speed officer, you're right. I'm wrong. Forgive me. Write the ticket. It's okay. Amen? Well, here, he's going to be confronted with sin. And in being confronted with sin, we're going to see how he responds. Now, look what happens. It says there in verse 20. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. See, I love this because he keeps bringing him back to the Lord. Amen? He came back and told him what God told him to tell him, which was because of your sinful behavior, consequences are coming. Righteous judgment is coming. You're going to die. He calls him his enemy. You know what? This is a mistake. Because you know who his enemy really is? He's married to her. Can I get an amen to that? Because she's the one, look, he was going to mope. All right, whiner, go lay in your bed and mope. But he wasn't, he didn't have any plans to go out and kill anybody. But he did it because his wife's in charge and he just followed behind her and did whatever she said and gave him, oh, I need your ring. Okay, you know, steal it. Okay, I'm going to sign your name here. Okay. And you know what? So here he is. And the sad part is that the enemy is not Elijah, it's his wife. And actually, Elijah is the one who God's using to give him an opportunity to repent. When he first went in and kicked down all the idols to Baal, was that not an opportunity to repent? What's the answer? What about when he called fire down from the sky and Baal didn't do anything and, and God, Yahweh, answered and burnt up, you know, not just the sacrifice, but the entire altar? Was that not another chance to, to repent? What's the answer? It is. So each time he was showing him the power and the glory of God, and every time he saw it was a chance for him to get on his knees and surrender to the Lord and be the godly king that he could have been in Israel. And every time he looks at somebody who confronts him with his sin as his enemy. We live in a world right now, they want to defund our police. I'm not a super political guy. I love the police. They're not all perfect. Amen. But They're righteous judges that God placed there for a reason. We don't need to get rid of police so we feel better about our crime. We need more police so criminals go to jail where they belong. Can I get an amen to that? But we're living in a time right now where we want to get rid of anybody who judges any behavior as being wrong. The whole cancel culture. You, if you said that you have a problem with transgenderism, they're going to have a, a promise keepers at the Dallas football stadium. And they found out that they're pro marriage between husband and wife. And all these people are coming against them saying, that's the NFL stadium and you better quit or we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, uh, you know, boycott the NFL. I hope the NFL tells them, feel free because you don't buy tickets anyway. Can I get an amen? 
I've seen any guys in dresses at a football game lately. Can I get amen to that? But the reality is that we live in a culture right now where we're calling good evil and evil good. And we're living in a culture where we want to silence anyone who stands up for the truth. We used to be a moral society. We knew what was right and wrong. We did right. Then we became an immoral society. We knew right from wrong and people did wrong. And now we're an amoral society that anything goes and the only people that get in trouble are the people who have any morals. Amen? Here's what's happening here. He's being confronted and he's telling him, you're my enemy. Because how dare you come here and tell the truth about me? How dare you come here and deliver something from the Lord? How dare you tell me that I'm going to die? Praise God for somebody who will boldly stand up for the word. Elijah was God's prophet. He's not your enemy unless God's your enemy. Amen? You know the only, only way this book is your enemy is if the God who wrote it is your enemy. Amen? If you don't like what the Bible says, you don't like the God who wrote it. Can I get an amen to that? If you don't like when people stand up and proclaim the truth and we should do it in love, let's don't be jerks. Can I get an amen? Let's be kind and loving and gracious. But if they don't like what the word says, it's not us. It's the author that they have the problem with. Now, again, I want to say it one more time. May we not be offensive. May we not be, we're just sinners saved by grace. Can I get an amen to that? We're just, again, we're just beggars bringing other beggars to the bread. But if they don't like the Bible, it's because they don't like the author. And so, Jezebel was actually his greatest enemy. She's the one that brought Baal to Israel. She killed the prophets of Yahweh. She's the one that pledged to kill Elijah. She's the one who plotted the plan to kill Naboth. And she is the one who drew Ahab away from God. And Elijah spoke for God. And his judgments brought opportunity for repentance. Now notice what it says here in verse 21. You sold yourself to evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond, both bond and free. You know what's sad here is what he's telling the, the thing that a king does not want to hear. All your ancestors are going to die. And when you die, your posterity of, of being a king is going to go with you. It's going to be the end of you. You're done. You're going to die. They're all going to die. And you're no longer going to be in a position of authority. This is severe judgment against anyone, in particular against a king. A king's legacy, again, was something that they valued as much or more than almost anything else. And what's sad, you know, the, the truth is he never really does get to take possession of the vineyard and, and grow anything in his garden because he's not going to be around long enough to enjoy it. He says there in verse 22, I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, like the house of Bashah, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation of which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. You should underline that in your Bible. He provoked God to anger and made God's people sin. And I can think of no greater indictment against somebody who's called by God to lead his people than if they make God angry and lead his people to sin. There are pastors out there doing that right now. They're making God angry and leading people into sin because they're preaching a false gospel. Can I get an amen? They're pointing people in the wrong direction and he's letting them know, these are the charges against you, Ahab. This is where you are and God, God knows what you've been doing. You cannot hide your sin. Nothing is hidden from God. Verse 24 or 23 then. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke saying the dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Wow. 
Okay, Jezebel thinks she's getting away with it. She thinks she's in charge. She thinks she's running the game. She's got her husband under her, under her thumb. And she's the one in charge of everything. And she thinks there's going to be no consequences because there haven't been any yet. But God's grace is not God's permission. Amen? Just because you've been getting away with it for a while doesn't mean you're going to get away with it forever. And not only it says, so they're going to lick up the blood of Ahab, but they're going to be picking her bones clean. And we're going to see it soon as we continue through the text. It's actually in 2 Kings chapter 9. We'll see that happen. So nothing is hidden from God. Last two points, bad company corrupts good morals. Look what it says in 25 and 26. But there is no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. When the children of Israel came into the land of promise, the first thing they did was wipe out all the enemies and destroy all their idols. And they're supposed to get rid of them all out of the land. And now what he's saying here is, you're worse than the people we kicked out when we got here. You're worse than all of them. We're gonna, expose, we're gonna expel you and your family in the same way we expelled the enemies of God when we took the land of promise. Bad company corrupts good morals. Notice it does say there that Jezebel's wife stirred him up. Hey ladies, be a source of encouragement to your husbands, amen? Encourage them and the gifting they've been given. My wife turned 60 the other day and we made a bunch of videos and I shared with her on that video how when I'm called, she's called and the greatest gift God ever gave me outside of salvation is my wife. She is my favorite person. She has gifts I don't have and I am so thankful for her and she's an absolute blessing. And you know what? The thing that she's always done is every time we've had to move for ministry, she's right there with me. She stands beside me, she encourages me, and she's a blessing to me, and I, I wouldn't pick anybody else on this planet, and I'm so thankful that God gave me my precious wife. And you know what, though? But she's a source of encouragement. I told her, because she always says, that, says this, well, you're, you're, you're more important than me. You're, you're more important than me. No, no, first of all, no. Can I get an amen to that? But second of all, I reminded her, I said, you're the most compassionate person I know, and that gift that you have, she'll, she will do this. She'll tell me, you need to talk to so-and-so at church. They need to be encouraged. And she's right every time because that's her gift. Can I get an amen to that? So ladies, you complete your husbands. Can I get an amen? God brought you to your husband for a reason. You encourage him. You use your gifts as well and let him encourage you, but encourage him. Be a Proverbs 31 woman. Can I get an amen to that? Praise God for that. Jezebel, she, no. She's a train wreck. Can I get an amen? She's bad news. And she's stirring him in the wrong direction and drawing him away from the Lord and not to the Lord. Final point, true repentance is more than temporary sorrow. Look what happens. It says, so, so it was when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, so See how Nahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. So here's what happens. He humbles himself before the Lord and he mourns because he's heard his sin. And God is telling him, well, I will wait until you die to remove your family from the, the line of being king. But we're gonna find out that he's not being sincere here. And do you think, does God know that he's not being sincere? What's the answer? He's, he's bummed because he got caught. 
He's bummed because he's being told dogs are going to be licking up his blood. That'd get your attention. Can I get an amen? So instead, what's he doing? He goes into mourning and he's being humbled for the moment, but not humbled enough to change, not humbled enough to repent. And so God's going to show him some added grace. Our God is a God of love and grace and mercy. Amen. And he will, he will, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And you're not so evil that you can't be forgiven. Could Ahab be forgiven? What's the answer? Absolutely. But he needs to repent. And he's going to have moments that appear like repentance. But in the long run, we're going to find out he's not truly repentant. And it's not going to end well for him. So in closing, nothing is hidden from God. We must obey God rather than men. Praise God for Naboth. Amen. Naboth in his vineyard, he recognized it belonged to the Lord. He stood for God when maybe nobody else would, and it cost him his life. But you know what? Praise God that he obeyed God rather than man. Find your peace in the Prince of Peace. Again, don't fall away. What happens? As soon as Ahab doesn't get what he wants, he falls apart. He goes and lays down. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to pout. I'm going to go stare at the wall, and I'm mad because I didn't get what I wanted. May we be uh, more spiritually mature than that. Can I get an Amen. Because sometimes God says no, because he knows what's best for you. Amen? Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he says yes. Trust him no matter what. The consequences of our sin keep us humble, broken, and desperate. We don't always need to be rescued from our situation. Sometimes we need to come humbly and broken before him. Evil's victories are only temporary. Ahab and Jezebel were celebrating, and soon they're going to be judged righteously. Uh, Nothing is hidden from God. Uh, They thought they got away with it. They had this plan they put in place and Elijah showed up and thou art the man basically, like with David. Bad company corrupts good morals, especially in this case, it's his wife. If you're single here, do not settle for less than God's highest. Can I get an amen? There are better things than being single, being married, uh, worse things, being married to the wrong person. Can I get an amen? So you wait, you don't settle for less than God's highest. You pray for the person God has for you and you wait for God's perfect timing. The the right woman and the right man is worth the wait. Can I get an amen? And then finally, true repentance is more than temporary sorrow. Uh, If you've got kids growing up, you've seen your kids pretend like they were sorry when they really weren't. Can I get an amen? Oh, because they just didn't want to get a swat or lose some privileges. Then you find out the behavior doesn't change. So Lord, help us. So... Nothing's hidden from God, you guys. May we live out loud for him. May we be unashamed of the gospel. May we look for divine appointments and opportunities. God may choose to use you to be the Naboth at your office tomorrow, to be the one that stands for the word of God when nobody else will, the one that'll stand up in your neighborhood or wherever you may be. And Lord, give us that opportunity and give us the strength to do it. Can I get an amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God. We thank you for the privilege it is to be your sons and daughters adopted into your family. And we thank you, Lord, that unlike Elijah and the people in his day, we've got the whole book. We see how it ends. Lord, we know that you win. We know that you love us so much you'd rather die than live without us. Lord, I pray you would remind us how valuable we are in your eyes. When we're going through difficult times, when we're overwhelmed, discouraged, depressed, anxious, fearful, remind us, Lord, of the depths of your love for us. Remind us that you'd rather die than live without us, that you hung on a cross that we might be forgiven.
Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit. You've written our names in the Lamb's book of life. We have the promise of heaven. May we never lose sight of that. Lord, we pray for this world that so desperately needs you. Lord, open their eyes, soften their hearts to the truth of the gospel. Lord, give us opportunities to represent you, and may we represent you well. May we die to ourselves. May be less of us and more of you. May you be glorified. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, let's stand up.